Welcome to the Marriage by the Book podcast. Whether you have a great marriage or one that needs improvement, this is the show for you. Since 1994, we've used biblical principles to help hundreds of couples, just like you, find relationship success. As you listen, you'll get practical tips, knowledge, and motivation that will help bring greater intimacy and happiness to your marriage so that you can enjoy the relationship you've dreamed of. And now, this is Marriage by the Book. Hello, welcome back to the Marriage by the Book podcast. I'm Rick Porterfield. Today I'm going to be finishing up this current series I've been doing. And what I've been doing is going through the actual sessions we would go through with a couple. Now, normally this would take about seven weeks for us to go through all of this, but because of the length of the podcast, I've had to divide that up. So it's been quite a, a bit longer than seven podcast episodes. But uh, anyway, we're going to be wrapping that up today. And in the last session, I talked about started talking about roles, the role of the husband, the role of the wife, the role of the man and the woman. And um, anyway, um, um, I, let me just mention something on that. You know, Rebecca and I, we did a marriage conference in Florida, gosh, just a couple of months ago. And we actually, the, the church where we did it, live streamed it on Facebook. And we were flagged uh, by Facebook for hate speech and uh, bullying and harassment. And uh, I took it as a big compliment, actually. Uh, you know, all we were doing was teaching on Christian marriage, biblical principles for a successful marriage. And Facebook flagged us with all those different things, flagged the church's live stream, actually, on Facebook. And uh, anyway, but it was because of what we were teaching. And, uh, you know, we weren't talking against anyone. We really weren't. We were just talking about what the Bible says about successful marriage. We didn't say a word against any uh, other type of marriage or whatever. But so anyway, just for your information out there, listener, uh, Christian marriage is considered hate speech, bullying, and harassment, at least by Facebook. So anyhow, again, back to talking about roles, the role of the husband, the role of the wife, the role of the man, the woman. Talks about the role of the husband last time. And today I want to talk about the role of the wife, okay? And a lot of people teach that the wife's role is to, to submit to the husband. And let me just say this. I think that wrong teaching in this area right here has been very responsible, maybe primarily responsible for the rise of women's liberation. What, what's been taught, the religious stuff that's been taught is basically just bondage. And I don't blame women. For rebelling against it because it is bondage and you know jesus came that we could have life and have it more abundantly he whom the sun sets free is free indeed if we're doing things the way that that he envisions it it's going to bring life it's going to bring freedom to our marriages not bondage okay so we need to get that through our head there's got to be a better way than what we've seen taught a lot of times so a lot of people teach the wife's role is to submit to the husband. Let's look at Genesis. Let's just read what the Bible says. How about that? Genesis 2.18 says this, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Uh, other translations say things like helper suitable or helper. It's kind of like the vice president of a company. If you got the president and the vice president that are both critical components of the success of the whole, uh, you know, one's not really more important than the other. They depend on each other. It's kind of like that. Really, God created the wife to be a suitable helper for the husband. And really, folks, that's the role. And Rebecca and I talk more about this in our book, Marriage by the Book, which is available on Amazon. We have other teaching that goes more in depth into this than I'll do in this podcast, but that's the role. And submission 
is a facet, um, a responsibility maybe of the role, but it is not the role. And we get this submission thing from Ephesians, uh, among other places, Ephesians 5, 22 through 24. It says this, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. So it says that we're, the wife is supposed to submit to the husband as to the Lord. Man, there's a lot in the scriptures right there. Just as the church is subject to Christ, so that the wives be their own husbands and everything. Think about the thing that we as the church know about Christ. We know that he loves us completely and would die for us and is fully 100% committed to us and to our success. And that's how husbands should love their wives. And when somebody is for you like that, when somebody loves you like that, when somebody's committed to you like that, it's not hard to submit to that because you know they have your best interests at heart. They're not being selfish expecting you to just go along with it, okay? That's really key. And we as husbands can't be selfish and just expect our wives to put up with whatever nonsense we want to put out there. So anyway, again, this is contrary to what a lot of people are taught, but it does say the wife is to submit to the husband. What does that mean? Submission in the New Testament, it's the Greek word, and I'm probably not pronouncing this right for you Greek scholars out there, but it's the Greek word hupotasso. And it means this. It means to subordinate, to be obedient, to submit yourself to. Webster defines submission as being under one's authority. So, the you know, there has to be a head. The only thing with no head is dead. Or I'm sorry, anything with no head is dead. And anything with two heads is a monster. So there's got to be, you know, both of us can't be the head or somebody has to be the head if there's going to be life. If there's two heads, you got a monster. So anyway, somebody has to be the head. And God has created this thing where the husband is the head. But the husband's supposed to love his wife as Christ loved the church. I talked about that before. When somebody loves you, is committed to you like that, it's not hard to submit to that person, okay? And submission doesn't mean letting your husband have his way if his opinion differs from yours, and then having a bad attitude about it, okay? Submission involves, you know, encouraging that the other person, you know, no turning back, pushing forward, you know, adopting that decision, making it yours, and getting fully on board. You know, submission doesn't say, hey, I told you so. I told you, you big dummy, that this wasn't going to work. You don't do that if, if the decision doesn't work out. We need to to just get on board. I've talked about this, I believe, before on here. Decide, decision, uh, means de sedere. I'm sorry, from the Latin. It comes from the Latin, de sedere. It means to cut off. So if we make a decision, we're cutting off any other option. So we need to decide to do things God's way, decide to submit to your husband, and just cut off any other option. Now, again, this we're going to talk more about this. Um, you, your role is to be the helper not the submitter, and this person, it's understood, he is going to love you, and I'm going to talk more, have your best interest at heart and not be doing things selfishly, and I'm going to talk more about that here in just a moment. But again, when the decision's made and when we submit to that decision, it's as if that's the only decision that could be made. You know, Rebecca and I, we pastored a church for about 12 years, and we would have leadership meetings, and one of the things we would do is, you know, just because I was the, the head pastor, that didn't mean I just got my way. We would discuss it and agree. When we came to that table, all the leaders came to the table. Basically, everybody took their hats off. 
the pastor hat came off. Rebecca's uh, you know, co-pastor hat came off. The other leader team, their hats came off. And we were just leaders of the church. And we would discuss situations and come up with the best solution. And if a decision, if there was like a, a an impasse or something, if a decision had to be made, I would make it. But oftentimes, you know, what I thought was going to happen wouldn't be the thing we decided. There would be a better idea. And I would see that because I wasn't just wanting my way. I wanted what was best for the church. We would go with what was best for the whole rather than just what I wanted or what I thought was best for me. And really, we need to approach marriage like that. And when we'd leave those leadership meetings, you know, the, the, the idea was, okay, we are all adopting this decision as ours. Just, I may have had a different opinion two minutes ago, but once we made the decision, that's it. This is the decision now. So that's how it really would look in this context of a husband's wife as well. We adopt the decision. It becomes ours. There's this expectation, you know, that the husband is going to value the wife as that, you know, vice president as the person on this earth who God has anointed to help him, to help him see more things, things more clearly, to help him make good decisions, to help him, you know, lead the family, et cetera. So you need to listen to your wife, value that opinion. And just like when I was that senior pastor, there might be times when other leaders, you know, have uh, input that'll actually change what you're going to be doing. And I think as the husband, I need to listen to my wife that way and her input may change what I think we're going to be doing. Anyway, I'm covering a lot of information here in a very short time. Colossians 3.18 says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. I think that's a key scripture. I've heard people actually say things like every woman is subject to every man. That's nonsense. (laughs) That is absolute nonsense. And this scripture makes that clear. Wives, submit to your own husband. The only man on this earth that's the head of Rebecca is me. Okay, my wife. And uh, so you're not subject to every man. Every man is not better than every woman. People get this ridiculous ideas in their head. And uh, hopefully you've never heard this stuff. If you had, take what the word says. Take what the Bible says and go with that. Okay, men and women, husband and husbands and wives. out. Again, it says, wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. What does that mean, as is fitting in the Lord? Okay, I believe... And I'm going to show you other scripture that backs this up. It means that you're supposed to submit the husband's godly leading. If he wants you to do something ungodly or immoral or unscriptural or unethical, you're under no obligation to do that. You don't need to submit to those kinds of things, okay? It doesn't mean that you're supposed to submit to the point of being led into sin, all right? You have your own relationship with God. You're responsible to God with your relationship. So you need to honor God even above your husband. Okay, you're supposed to submit to your husband, but you honor God even above that. It doesn't Now, this isn't giving you license to go against your spouse over small matters of opinion. I hope you understand what I'm saying. You know, in Acts 5, there was a situation where Peter and John and the other disciples, you know, Jesus had ascended to heaven, and they were going out and preaching in Jesus' name. Well, the leaders of the, the Jewish people called them in and said, you know, they, they basically forbade them to, to preach any longer in Jesus' name. And the Bible tells us to be subject or submit ourselves to the governing authorities, okay? Now, see the parallel here. Peter and John, the other disciples that are preaching in Jesus' name, are supposed to submit to the governing authorities. The governing authorities tell them, don't preach in Jesus' name. God said, do preach in Jesus' name. The wife is to be submitted to her husband. Okay, but that doesn't mean you're led into sin. So in Acts 5, 29, after they were told not to preach anymore in Jesus' name, 
But Peter, it says this, but Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. So yeah, I'm supposed to submit to you, but what God, if what you're doing and saying is contrary to what God told me to do and what God said, then I'm going with what God said, not what you said. I hope you see the parallel there. We want to keep uh, God first in submitting to our spouse. So I need to move along here. We're trying to wrap it up today. So if you believe that your husband's judgment about a situation is wrong, tell him so. You know, you're the helper. You can't help without helping. So you need to tell him, hey, I think this is a bad idea. And be prepared to back it up, not just because it's not what you wanted, but with your reasons why you think there's a better way, okay? You're the helper. Again, how can you help if you don't offer your assistance to the best of your ability? You know, to let your husband do whatever he thinks is best and then just submit to it like some martyr, you know, even if you see problems, that's not being submissive. It's being foolish, okay? Think about a pilot and co-pilot. Why is there a co-pilot in the airplane? To help the pilot, right? What if the co-pilot just said, well, you know, the pilot's the head. He's the boss here. I just got to do whatever he says. And you pop out of the clouds and there's a mountain in front of the plane and the pilot doesn't see it. What do you want the co-pilot to do? Submit to the pilot's leading or pull the plane uh, you know, up in the air away from the mountain. You want him to do the co-pilot's job, and that's how wives, wives need to be here. And so state your opinion, state your views, give your reasons, and then let the decision rest with your husband. And husbands, again, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about me just getting my way. We want to do what's best for us as a whole, Okay. And so make the best decision you can based on the information. We've talked about these things before. Being right is highly overrated. The relationship is more important than who's right and who's wrong. So we want to do what's best for the whole. Take all the information, value all the information, no matter who gave it, and make the best decision you can, okay? And again, once that decision's made, that is the decision, okay? It might be the wife's, her opinion that that won the day. It might be the husband's. It might be a combination. But whatever it is, that's the decision. De sedere, we cut off any other option, and we go with that, right? Uh, I'm not going to read this, but there's a portion of Scripture in Acts chapter 5. It tells us it's verses 1 through 10. But it tells the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Ananias was a Jewish man. Sapphira was a Jewish woman. And they hatched a plan. Well, actually, I'm going to say it this way. Ananias hatched a plan that would involve lying to the Holy Spirit. And Sapphira, his wife, went along with it. And if you read that portion of Scripture, you'll see that this appears to have been his plan. And again, she submitted herself to the plan and agreed with it. Okay, And because of this, they both wound up dying. Now, had she not submitted to his ungodly leading, she could have at least saved herself, and maybe she could have saved both of them. So ladies, wives, it's very important that you be the helper you were meant to be. Okay, And again, if we'll do things God's way, it's going to be bring freedom, it's going to bring liberty, it's going to bring um, goodness into our lives and again jesus said he came so that we could have abundant life okay and whom the sun sets free is free indeed there's if we do things his way there's abundance in our lives there's freedom that's just how things work okay so that's basically what i want to say about the wife's role i want to talk briefly about fitting together proverbs 31 10 through 12 proverbs proverbs 31 talks about the virtuous wife i want to read a portion of this who can find a virtuous wife 
for her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. That's describing a couple that's fitting together well. Okay, I think you'd agree with that. They're fitting together well. They're operating well, doing things God's way. The husband and the wife, we devalue one another and recognize that in areas where I'm weak, my wife may be strong and vice versa. Where she's weak, I may be strong. And we need to draw on each other's strengths and, and, and participate in compensating for the other person's weaknesses, okay? Recognizing that fact can help you work together in a complementary way, okay? There's a, a oneness. We are one. You know, my strengths cover her weaknesses and her strengths cover my weaknesses and we're just one and we are whole in that. And the marriage and family work best when each person strives toward fulfilling their role. Now get this, strive toward fulfilling your role and not toward compensating for what you perceive to be your spouse's shortcoming. In other words, I'm going to say it this way, get out of the way and let your spouse fulfill their role. Husbands, get out of the way and let her fulfill her role. Wives, get out out of the way and let him fulfill his role. Do your role and stop trying to compensate for what you believe to be their shortcomings. Think of it this way. You wouldn't try to fly a car off a cliff and you wouldn't sleep under a bed instead of on it. At least I hope you wouldn't. Why? Because cars aren't meant for flying and beds are meant for sleeping on and not under. (laughs) Okay. So you want each thing to fulfill its role and that's how things are going to work best. And in the context of marriage, the husband should fulfill the husband's role. The wife should fulfill the wife's role as God designed them, and things are just going to work better that way. Not just better, things are just going to work that way. That's that's really, I think, an illustration of why we need to fulfill our roles there. Let's talk about um, how to apply this. I want you to do this, okay? This is really important. These parts where we talk about how to apply what we talk about in these podcasts. You know, the Bible says in James chapter 1 that it's the doers of the work that are blessed in what they do. It says if we hear the word and don't do the word, we're deceiving ourselves. So this is where really where the rubber meets the road. If we're going to take what we're hearing and we're going to do it, okay? So this is what I want to encourage you to do. Review the last session where I talked about the husband's role. Review this session where I talked briefly, very briefly about the wife's role. And... uh, Think about areas where you might not be fulfilling your role and determine some actions you can take to begin meeting your duties, so to speak, in that role, okay? And remember, focus on fulfilling your role and not compensating for your spouse's role or what you might perceive as their shortcomings. Okay, I want to talk about something completely different now. This next thing I'm going to talk about just for a couple minutes has nothing to do with the husband's role, nothing to do with the wife's role. It's completely different. And it's I wasn't sure I'd have time, uh, but I do have time, so I want to cover it. Uh, just a few months ago, a popular Christian podcast condoned masturbation. They said it was okay. They said that the word, the Bible, says nothing against it. And I completely disagree. Okay, Jesus told the Pharisees, he said three times, have you never read, okay? Have you never read the Bible? Have you never read this? Uh, He said to them one time, you are mistaken not knowing the scriptures, okay? So what does the Bible say about this? Now, I'm going to say the Bible doesn't say don't masturbate, but it does say the things I'm about to say here. So now I want you to think about this. Come and let us reason together, as the Bible says. 
In Romans 13, verse 13 and 14, it says this, Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Okay, let's read another one. Galatians 5, 16. So I, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Okay, and then 1 Corinthians 7, 9. This is from, the, from God's Word translation. The others were from New King James. Almost always I use New King James unless I tell you. So this is God's Word translation. It says, uh, again, 1 Corinthians 7, 9. However, if you cannot control your desires, you should get married. It is better for you to marry than to burn with sexual desire. Okay, so again, masturbation, Romans 13, verse 14 talks about making no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Galatians 5, 16 says that we shouldn't gratify the desires of the flesh. And 1 Corinthians 7, 9 says it's better to marry than to burn. It doesn't say it's better to masturbate than to burn, okay? I know sometimes spouses are separated maybe for for a time or whatever. That's not God's best. He wants us to be together. But, folks, he doesn't want us masturbating. And I could go on about this. Rebecca has an awesome teaching she does about this that takes about an hour, not just about masturbation, but about other things like role-playing and fantasies and all this kind of stuff. That stuff is actually, it's like mental pornography. It's it. It's just bad for marriage. So I want to encourage you with that. Uh, if you happen to hear that podcast or believe that this is an okay thing, I'm going to tell you, I don't think so. I don't believe so. And I believe the word backs that up. Again, 1 Corinthians 7, 9 to me is the clincher. It's better to marry than to burn. It doesn't say it's better to masturbate than to burn. That's an uncomfortable topic, but I wanted to cover it. And I hope it helps you. And uh, thank you for listening. Share this podcast with other people. And uh, to go deeper, go to marriagebythebook.org. Check out, check out our book, Marriage by the Book, on Amazon. And the workbook, the Marriage by the Book workbook, is on there as well. And uh, thanks very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's Marriage by the Book podcast. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And hit the subscribe button. For additional resources or to go deeper, visit marriagebythebook.org. See you next time.